how to see and share Jesus from all of Scripture, well, learn with us at the Christ Centered and Clear podcast. Welcome to the Christ Center and Clear podcast. My name is Nate Aiken. I'm your host. I also have with me my brother John Aiken and Josh Redberg. Thank you guys for being on the podcast. Glad to be here. Good to be here. We're going to have to respond much more quickly to the questions. We are now continuing our series in Proverbs. We've finished kind of Proverbs 1 through 9, and now we're going to jump into the topics we find in Proverbs 10 through 30. And we're going to start with the topic of anger. And John, I'll start with you. Kind of just give us, uh, obviously, y'all did sort of kind of surveys of these topics in, in Proverbs, but give us some key texts that were driving uh, your sermon when it came to the topic of, of anger. Yeah, so there were several. I, I really focused on the series was the seven deadly follies, we called it. And it was focusing on the seven deadly sins. So wrath um, was the one. So here are some of the key verses, like Proverbs 20, verse 22 do not say, I will repay evil, wait for the Lord, and he will deliver you. Um, Proverbs 24, 17, and 18, which is a fascinating passage. Uh, do not rejoice when your enemy falls, and let not your heart be glad when he stumbles, lest the Lord see it and be displeased and turn away his anger from him. So, so this idea that the Lord is as angry about your wrath towards the person who wrongs you as he is about the wrong that they did to you. And so um, you have the classic in, in Proverbs 25 that Paul quotes, you know, if your enemy's hungry, uh, give him bread to eat. But then you just have all of these passages like Proverbs 10, 12, hatred stirs up dissension, but love covers all wrongs. Um, Proverbs 17, 9, one who covers over an offense re- promotes love, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. So like it causes like anger and payback and wrath causes division. It causes separation of relationships. Um, a man of knowledge uses words with restraint. A man of understanding has a cool spirit. Um, mm. And so he's, so being a person of knowledge and understanding is, is not being somebody who, who pours out wrath. And so there's just, those are several of the texts that, that we use to kind of frame what Proverbs says about this issue. Josh, any you would add there? Yeah, I think of Proverbs 19, 19, it says, a man of great anger will bear the penalty. And then 29, 22, an angry man stirs up strife and a hot-tempered man abounds in transgressions. So they're talking about how there's a price to be paid for anger, which is one of the big themes that anger brings consequences and the consequences are ugly and costly. And then also that anger, you know, anger has a lot of friends and none of them are good. Like you, you get angry, you always follow it with other sin. And so I think those are two themes that are repeated in lots of verses in Proverbs dealing with anger. Y'all have, y'all have obviously hit a few verses that talk about anger, but Proverbs says that anger is destructive. What are, what are some ways, Josh, that, that the Proverbs detail that? Well, it's interesting because it talks about the effect your anger has on other people. So even if you have a close relationship with someone, um, it that anger has this way of dividing people sort of you know, like the pebble in your shoe, anger is that way in relationships. You know, the the longer the anger is there and it's not dealt with, the worse it gets, the more it spreads. So it's destructive to your relationships. In fact, it even goes on to say in Proverbs 19, 19, that it's destructive to the person who actually tries to deal with someone else's anger. 
It says the person who rescues someone from their anger is only going to have to do it again. And so it's, it seems like one of the primary ways that he talks about anger is by talking about the effect it has on your relationships. And I mean, this whole book is born out of relationships, right? A father and mother and their son, and ultimately us and the Lord. And so it's all about these relationships and anger is just this wedge that drives in and separates relationships. Y'all are both really good at illustration. Is there a way you tried to kind of illustrate that to drive home the point, Josh? And then John, I'll come to you. Same question. Um, one of the ways was talking about one of the the senses is that uh, anger is, um, like think about a hothead. Like the 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 sense you can almost get a picture like a cartoon, and the the level of red goes from the neck and just starts going up mm. and in a cartoon, right? Then the top pops off and there's steam coming from the ears. And the whole idea, right, is that it's like a fuse that's going to explode and you don't want to be nearby when the when the when it explodes. And I think the reality is we've all been on both sides of that. You know, we've been around someone where it may not be quite as clear as the cartoon, but we've basically seen it. We've seen the anger mm. start and you're you're like, oh, this is going. And honestly, we've probably all been on the other side too, where it's been us. We're less likely to see it in the moment, but afterwards we realize like that, that was me. So, you know, just sort of that, I think somewhat common, but evocative picture that you see in cartoons, it's, they, they illustrate it for us very well. This is what anger looks like and it, the effect it has on others. Yeah. So the way that I tried to get at it was I, part of when I'm, when I'm preaching on this kind of a topic, uh, you know, from Proverbs is to try to address the fact that a lot of my people, a lot of my people probably would agree that they're, that they're angry, but they would also probably justify their anger and say, well, it's, 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 you know, it's okay. It's, it's right for me to, to have it because that person really wronged me and, and I can't act like it's no big deal. And so what I'm trying to do is kind of trying to get around their defenses and to get them to admit that they are vengeful in a playful way um, to, to try to, you know, undermine some of that, some of that self-justification. So when I did this years ago, I, I used um, the story from the princess bride, you know, where Inigo Montoya gets revenge on the man who, the six finger man who killed his father. And, you know, I'm, and the thing that he repeats over and over and again, and, and just telling all these like, so I just use all these like illustrations. We love get even stories um, because injustice makes us angry and, and, and rightly so it makes us angry. So love the Count of Monte Cristo when he gets back at people, um, you know, culture at least used to love these like terrible talk shows like Maury Povich would have high school nerds come on who used to be bullied all the time. And now they're, they're like roided up and good looking and jacked and they, they, you know, flaunt themselves in front of all the people who picked on them and for all the country songs about, you know, getting cheated on and taking a Louisville slugger to uh, his car. Uh, and, and like we resonate with those things um, because we know what it's like to be bullied or to be wrong and to be angry and then to justify that anger. And all of that up to that point, honestly, some of that is okay. The issue is, when you begin to try to do something about it, when you, when you begin to harbor it, uh, to harbor that anger, then, then that's when you're, 
in, in a danger spot. And that, and that, and that's the other thing I tried to explain in terms of applica- application to to Josh's point about anger having a bunch of friends. Anger, like covetousness, is a is a heart issue that finds all kinds of channels of expression. And, and so it's not just the anger, it's what accompanies the anger, whether it's violence or using your words to harm somebody or just, you know, just stewing around and, and like, well, you know, I'm going to make their life miserable uh, until they know how miserable they've made me. And, um, and so it's just like all these different ways that, that, that anger finds expression and causes all of this, this havoc. Um, and so that's, so I was trying to kind of get around their defenses a little bit with some ways that we say, oh man, he has a right to be angry to do that. And it's like, well, mm-hmm. there's, a, there's, it is, there is a, a sense which the Bible says that if, if injustice has really been done to you, that, that some of that anger can be a righteous indignation. But if you, if it turns into a grudge, if it turns into a desire for vengeance and getting even, if it's not something that you can let go of and forgive, then you've then you've crossed the the threshold. Man, Count of Monte Cristo, what a movie! I, I even hear there's a book uh, that they did with it, um, based on the so, movie. I think, yeah, good yeah, pictures they, in there. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Josh, did you make any distinctions of of trying to explain the difference between sinful anger and righteous anger in your sermon? And John, same. I'll come back to you with that as well. You know, I don't think I spent much time doing that. Um, Mainly, mainly on my part is just there's so many verses on anger that uh, I, I went more about what's it what's it look like how do we diagnose it in our hearts and then how do we deal with it I think that's a great distinction to make but I didn't I didn't really deal with that I dealt with just more like, how do we see this and what do we do about it John what about you Yeah the distinct the distinction that I made was just to say there are times when there is righteous indignation at injustice mm-hmm. done to you or done to people you love or in the world. But when you begin to, um, when you begin to, to try to be the one who's in the seat of dealing with that, that's when you've, that's when you've sinned because that's something that belongs to the Lord, right? Wait on the Lord. I mean, mm-hmm. this is, this is all over the place. And so there's a line in the book, the Count of Monte Cristo, uh, which is a, a prequel <laughs> to the movie. Um, <laughs> um, and I can't remember the exact line. I've used it before in other, in other sermons, not in Proverbs, mm. but, he, but he says at the end, after he's gone through his campaign of vengeance and he's seen the destruction that it's caused, like in the, in the book, it's not seen as a good thing. Like it, it, it shows the destruction mm. that this is, has caused and it's nearly cost him all these other things. And he says there is a man, he, he's comparing himself to Satan, um, who thought he was who thought he could put himself in the place of God and do what only God can do. And um, and so that's when like when anger is when you are the one, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. When you're the one who's seeking vengeance or bitterness, unforgiveness in your heart, then you've then you've crossed over from a righteous indignation that should point you to your heavenly father to say, Lord, do something about this to know I'm going to, I'm going to try to control it myself. 
so we obviously are expositors. You know, we we want to to do exposition, but even even when we do topical sermons, we typically want to do exposition. But when you when you're taking a kind of a string of different verses that have are found in Proverbs, how did you guys sort of bring that together and 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 try to do exposition while also obviously pulling these from different parts of of the book? Yeah, that's a hard one. I mean, you try to make sure you understand the context of Proverbs. I think that's the biggest one, and then teach what we've talked about for the last 10 weeks prior to uh, dealing with these things. I, I think that'd be the number one. I think beyond then, really making sure you understand each proverb you talk about. You're not going to hit every proverb on anger. If you try to hit every single one, then you're just, it's going to feel very random and very scattered. So, I mean, I, I probably, in looking at all of the ones on anger, started to group them together and then even then, I might not read, you might have seven or eight that deal with the same aspect of anger. I didn't read all seven or eight, but I read one or two that were representative and just tried to pull the, the truth out of those to show them that it's coming from the text, not just my ideas on anger. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing. Have them look at the verse, help them see what you're saying comes from there. And so have them turn in their Bible to these different Proverbs. Don't, I would say, don't just throw them on a screen. Have, try to get them to turn in their Bibles, see them there, and then mm. show them within the context of Proverbs and in the physical text as much as possible that the truth that you're talking about, the application you're making, the the point, the principle, all of the things are coming from what they see in the Bible in front of them. John, how did you do that? So typically, yeah, I mean, it's very similar to Josh, but typically what I try to do in these sermons, one, I, I tried to group all of the text before I did all this work. I tried to group every text I could find on this theme in the book and read it in the order in which it's presented to see what the overall picture is. Trimper Longman, um, in his commentary, has an appendix at the back that does some of this work and some of the exposition, and it's invaluable. And so I would I would commend his commentary. But, um, and so then, and then the way I would try to organize it, kind of like what Josh was doing, I would try to group them in, in three ways. Okay. So it was one would be like, what is the standard? So that kind of whole, like, what is it that God's forbidding here or that he's calling us to two would be the consequences of falling short of that. And so that's kind of on this topic when we're talking about destruction, division, hurting relationships or whatever. So I'm, I'm talking about, so the, so if you want to think about three circles or whatever, so I would do first would be like God's, God's design. Second would be brokenness. And then third would be solution. Like how does the, how does the, how do the Proverbs present this in a positive way? Or what are the strategies that Proverbs gives to deal with this? And then obviously that typically is me pointing to Jesus and how the gospel uh, you know, answers it. So that's kind of how I would typically try to break it down. How did you guys uh, then point it to Christ? So y'all obviously explained kind of how you broke it down, some good illustrations, but how did you specifically uh, point it to, to Christ? Josh, I'll start with you. Yeah, the first way was to um, look at the really the beauty of forgiveness. So for instance, Proverbs 19.11, a man's discretion makes him slow to anger, and it's his glory to overlook a transgression. Mm -hmm. And so there's just one example. And I mean, like forgiving those who sin against you. I mean, why do we get angry? We think we're wronged. Often maybe mm. we are wronged. 
And so we hold someone's transgression against them, but he says it's glorious. It's a display of glory to overlook someone who transgressed against you. Well, how, how is that glorious? Well, it, it, it's not far from there, you know, to the cross. Um, you know, and so you're talking about the, that hmm. would be a place where I would pull in, for instance, the parable of the unforgiving servant. And so uh, Matthew 18, here's, here's a king who demonstrates the glory of forgiveness. Someone has wronged him. He has every right to be angry with them, but instead he chooses to forgive. And then you see the wickedness and the folly of the one who says, well, I've been wronged. I don't need to forgive. And so using examples, teachings of mm. Christ where he's, he's demonstrating this. And then probably the second way um, that I went there was to talk about Proverbs 29, 8. Scorner said a city of flame, but wise men turn away anger. Is that there's this, like, the way of wisdom is a way of, of not getting angry because someone does something unjust to us. But instead, walking in wisdom, which right connects to the fear of the Lord, and so it's we get angry so often because our will is not done. I mean, mm -hmm. the number one reason I get angry is because my will is not done. Well, Proverbs teaches me to fear the Lord. It's it's His will. He's the King. It's His will. When things don't go the way I want them to, am I going to trust my will or am I going to trust His will? My anger so often is rooted in the fact that I don't get what I want. My name, my kingdom, my will are not done. And so when I recognize that that is the root of almost all of my foolish anger is because I don't get my way, then wisdom teaches me like, well, your way is a way that leads to death. Mm. God's mm. way is a way that leads to life. And so like that, that goes easy to, I mean, it's much, it's easy to point to Christ there. You know, Jesus teaches us, you know, it's his to pray for God's kingdom, God's name, God's will. Jesus shows what it looks like to say, not my will, but yours, right? That, that Jesus is the only one who perfectly embraces the fear of the Lord, living contentedly and peacefully under his rule and under his will. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. just showing where anger comes from, I think gives plenty of opportunities to, to go to Christ as the only one who, who not only um, didn't sin, would never sinfully got angry, but also uh, shows us what it means to to live wisely and not take offense and not get angry and you know not respond wickedly when someone wrongs us. Mm -hmm. John, yeah, so I mean, very similar, but you know that one of the base texts that I brought uh, was "Do not say I will repay evil. Wait for the Lord, and He will deliver you." And so I just point that to me in the garden. If, if and then at, at you know He tells Peter to put the sword up. Uh, at his trial, if if my kingdom were of this world, my my followers would be fighting right now. When he's on the cross, uh, praying for those who are murdering him and and asking the Lord not to hold it against them, um, you just see this somebody who's not repaying the evil that's being done to him, and he's he's waiting for the Lord and and he's trusting the Lord's going to deliver him and the, the Lord's going to set things right. Um, and we're called to follow him in that, right? I mean, First Peter two, to this you were called. Christ, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin, no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. And so I use that one to point to Christ and then to point to how is it that we can, how is it that we can practically forgive? And 
And so I, I always just try to teach gospel centered forgiveness. You know, if it's, I learned a lot of this from Piper, but if, if somebody who, who makes you angry because of something they've done to you, um, there's two possibilities. Either the person who, who wronged you is a Christian. And if they are, then Jesus drowned in his own blood to pay for that sin that was committed against you. Mm -hmm. And for you to hold that against them is to, is to act like the cross of Christ is not enough. Uh, and so that's the motivation we're given Ephesians four forgive as we've been forgiven in Christ. Mm -hmm. And then the other, the other possibility is that the person who, who hurt you or who angered you is a, is an unbeliever. And if they're an unbeliever, God doesn't need your help in, in holding their sin accountable. Um, and that's why he says, if vengeance is mine, I will repay. If your enemy's hungry, you feed him. Um, and so you, that you just refuse, you lay it down because you say either in the cross or in hell, this is going to be dealt with. And I, I have no part to play in that. Um, and so that's why, so I, I try to point out like, you know, gospel centered forgiveness. So, so I always just tell people, um, when you hold a, like in church life, if there's somebody that you're angry with, or there's dissension in the, in the church, like that you're holding against somebody, what you're saying is that the death of Jesus Christ is enough to forgive you for the sins that you've committed, but it's not enough to forgive sins committed against you. That's not just a lack of effort. That's, that's a lack of belief uh, and seeing mm -hmm. the sufficiency of the cross. And so you preach the gospel to yourself and that hopefully as you believe the gospel will help you lay that down. Great stuff. So quickly, and then we're going to shut this down quickly, both give me just, how did you try to apply this uh, more than just don't be angry? So how did you try to apply this? Josh, you first. One is to help us recognize that so often our anger stems from a an expectation that people are either going to be perfect in how they relate to us or mm -hmm. we're going to be perfect in what we do. So, so often our anger just comes from a, a sort of a, a misunderstanding of the world we live in. Like we're living a broken world. We're broken. We've got broken people. Like there's a, there's a reason we talk and sing and read about grace all the time is because it's needed. Mm -hmm. Like grace is needed. We're like, you're a sinner. You, people get so frustrated with themselves, so angry with themselves. They get so frustrated with other people who fail that I think so often, like it's this bad, if you will, anthropology that leads to anger because we don't, we just don't recognize what the Bible says about us. We, we're, we're broken. We get deceitful hearts. We're desperately wicked. Like all of our righteousness is as filthy rags. So, so often our anger comes from the expectation that we're still living in Eden when we're, you know, when we're east of it now. And so just, I think helping people see the reality of the world, the people in it and their own hearts. Hmm. Yeah. I just try to do gospel centered application, uh, very similar to just the, what we see in the cross is this incredible patience and forbearance by God towards us. Um, that's infinite in nature um, because we have sinned against an infinite God. And, and so as we preach and believe that it should allow us to turn around and be patient and for, and forbearing with others. And so somebody mm -hmm. cuts you off in traffic. Okay. It's not, it's not even a comparison to what you've done to the Lord. And yet he's been patient with you. Like, and so this is this is how you are patient with your kids. This is how you are patient 
with a coworker. This is how you're patient with your spouse. This is how you forbear um, with those who have wronged you as you preach to yourself in that moment when you feel your blood start to boil. Man, God has been infinitely forbearing with me. And so I, I can be I can be forbearing in this moment. Good stuff. Amen. Uh, remember, we will have a conversation about preaching Christ in the wisdom literature in Scotland, uh, May 16th. So if you can make it there and be a part of that, I think you'll be encouraged by the by the time. Uh, and we certainly appreciate you listening to the podcast. We'll cover some more topics beginning again uh, next week. Thanks for listening to the Christ-Centered and Clear podcast. Thank you for listening to the Christ-Centered and Clear podcast. If you have questions or topics or texts you would like us to consider for future podcasts, please contact us at ChristCenteredAndClear at gmail.com. And please visit us at ChristCenteredAndClear.com for more resources.